morning. If you got your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, we'll start at verse 1. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, please give us understanding, God. Let us hear and understand your truth. Let it work in us that thing which you designed it to do, God, to transform us into your image. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we continue with talking about our response to sin and working our way towards <clears throat> the remedy of sin and what it is that our role is in our salvation. And as we make this transition, I'm talking about something I realized that just jumped out at me as being something that is a real struggle for a lot of people. And it's, it's a wrestle for a lot of people to understand. It made me really think about it was couple of weeks ago I can't remember how long ago it was my wife was listening to a podcast a YouTube video or something some little uh, crazy man on YouTube and it got very funny and the only thing I, I, I like about the little guy the little bit I heard is when he get preachers on there he pressed them real hard about sin I don't know he go in like they could be talking about any old thing like to buy one, get one free at Publix. And like, man, you know if you just get one, saying you can get it for half price. And he'd be like, yeah, that's good. Do you sin? <laughs> and this particular day, he had uh, Ray Comfort on there. And he was pressing in on Ray Comfort about sin. And Ray Comfort just blowing him off like, yeah, I sin. It's like, why do you sin? And Ray Comfort gave an example. He was like, just the other day, I was driving down the boulevard, and I saw this big ad. It was a sexy ad. And I had to turn away from it because it was a, a, a lustful ad. And the guy was perplexed. And this is something I'm used to, but Ray made me think about it. And the dude was like, well, did you sin? And he was talking about, yeah, I had to pray, and I had to do this, and I had to turn my head and I didn't want to look at that. It's like, okay, but did you sin? Like, ain't nothing wrong with seeing that and recognizing that it's something you shouldn't be looking at and turning away from it. Then Ray had to really think about it. It's like, well, I guess you're right. It blew Ray Comfort mind to think about the fact that he was in a temptation situation. This is a theologian making videos, teaching people about the Bible. But it blew his mind that there's not a necessary equivalent between being tempted and sinning. Because Ray just resolved to the fact that the fact that he saw something that looked appealing to him was a demonstration to him that he was a sinner and he needed to repent. And when the dude pressed him on it, it was like revelation to him. Like, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. And I noticed this a lot in talking to people, that we have a hard time distinguishing between temptation and sin and recognizing our weaknesses and realizing wretchedness within us. There's a correlation in our mind that once we see weakness within us, we see wickedness all in one at the same time, and it put us in a position of condemnation. So we're going to wrestle with this a little bit. 
and try to understand what temptation is and how it is that we're supposed to deal with it. So in Matthew chapter 18, just take these couple verses to introduce us to our subject. Matthew 18, starting in verse 1. It says, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive such one such little child in my name, receive it me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck. This is deep. It's Jesus. You get the scene. All these people been coming, coming, testing Jesus, asking him all these different questions to, to try to trap him. And Jesus been knocking them down, going, going over and over again. And the disciples, seems like everybody else asking questions, let us ask some questions too. So at the same time, in the midst of all this going on, they come and ask him this dumb question. What seemed to be pretty deep. Like, who is the greatest in the kingdom? Like, who is the top dog when it comes to being in your kingdom, God? They wanted to know this stuff. And Jesus blew everybody's mind. He just snatched up a little child. This random little kid off the street, I assume. <laughs> Somebody in the crowd, and he bring him up. Like, give me your baby. Jesus must have been a politician or something. They're taking babies and using them for illustration. <laughs> he just pulled up a little kid and pulled him in. And he began to teach this strange lesson about humility. Like, all y'all need to be converted. They need to be transformed and become like a little child. And the one who is most like a little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Just changing the whole scene up. So the most humble out of everybody, that is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Then he changed to turn the temperature up just a little bit more. Then he says, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drown in the depth of the sea. Now Jesus again deep. So if you offend one, so if you put a stumbling block, if you cause one of these little ones to go astray, if you hurt these little ones, Says it's better for you that a millstone was hanged about a neck. Now, a millstone's a big old grinding stone that they used to use. I've seen little pictures of some a couple of times. Regular men really can't use this stuff. He say it's better for you to get one of those, hang it around your neck, and let somebody throw you in the sea than for you to cross one of these little children. That's what Jesus think about offending his little ones. But then going into the next verse, he makes this statement, which is the verse we're going to zone in on. He says, woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. So Jesus casts judgment on the whole world. Say, the whole world needs to watch out because of offenses. Because offenses must needs come. So what Jesus is saying is that it's necessary for offenses to happen. Offenses the Greek word is scandalon. So people are going to do things that's going to scandalize you. People are going to do things that's going to be an affront to you. And he's saying it's necessary that it happens. This is the condition of the world that we live in. So this teaches us something about our world. That we're going to be in positions that's going to cross us 
that's going to offend us, that's going to cause hurt, that's going to put us in a position that we may trip up and that's going to put us in bad position. This is a part of the world that we live in. And this is revelation. So when somebody offends you, you can stand up and say, bless God, I'm a human. Ain't nothing bad about you. That doesn't mean that you in some state and God is after you and he judging you. All that means is that you are a human being. This part of living in this world. When somebody tries to trip you up, to put you in a position that's going to cause harm or cause you to suffer loss, you can stand up and say, I am a human. Because Jesus said this is the condition of the world. It must needs come. When he add an extra little woe, it's like woe unto him by whom they'll come. So when people cause offense, when people scandalize you, when people do you wrong, when people mistreat you, they're bringing judgment and heaviness upon themselves, but that does not mean anything specific about you. Everybody understanding what I'm saying? So when people mistreat you, that don't mean you great. That don't mean you ain't nobody. It means you human. Y'all, you got it. Because I know some preacher going to tell you, when they talk about you, that they'll let you know that your season is right around the corner and it's the all press and God got to press you to get that. No. It means you're human. Everybody got that? When 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 the folks come in the shop and Aaron just got one of them days where everybody just at him. He can't cut a head right. Everybody got something to say. Co-workers all along got something to say. And he's like, man, I'm about, to, I'm about to lose it off up in this thing. What's what going on? He don't have to examine his heart to see whether or not he's sinned the day before because Satan is after him. That don't mean that. All it means is that Aaron is human. And people are being people because they're going to cross you. People are going to mistreat you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to do bad things to you. They're going to try to make you fall. They're going to try to make you do wrong because that's what human beings do. And that's a condition of the world that we live in. Everybody with me? So cause you're being tested, because people are crossing you, that don't mean you evil. Because you're being tested, because hard times come upon you, that don't mean you great either. That don't mean that your breakthrough is right around the corner. And you finna be the leader of the company now. <laughs> it don't mean that. <laughs> it just mean you living in this world. Go to John chapter 16, verse 31. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone, and yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now, Jesus was going on, he be giving all these words of worries to the disciples. And the disciples got a grand revelation in the midst of this thing. You read up a couple of verses. They said a statement like Jesus. Like you speaking plain and we can understand what you're talking about. So now we know. And this is what Jesus responded like. You now believe? And his deal is Jesus don't ever leave stuff alone. So he had to flip the script. It's like, oh, oh, oh now you believe me. But in a little bit, all y'all can leave me alone claiming that you believe me now. So Jesus can tell them everything that's going on. And they're like, God, we got it. And he said, no, nah, that ain't y'all ain't got it. Because all y'all finna leave me alone. And I'm going to be by myself. But I ain't going to be by myself because God is with me. But watch this. Verse 33. 
said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's Jesus being deep. Like I spoke these words to you. He's giving them all these warnings of all the things that are going to happen after. All the tribulation that's going to come on the world about his suffering and being abandoned. Like I spoke this stuff onto you so that you can have peace. So the purpose of his revelation is to bring peace to the people. And it's like in me you have peace, but in this world you're going to have tribulation. There's going to be times of testing. There's going to be times of heaviness. There's going to be times of pain and sorrow. That's just a condition of being in this world. Do we, do we see that? Then he asks a little piece, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So he defeated it. But does Jesus defeat of the world mean that you escape testing, that you escape tribulation, that you escape hard times? No, it doesn't. Bad things going to happen as long as we're on this planet. In trials, testings, tribulations, offenses, all of this is part of the package. It just means that you're human. Everybody understanding what I'm saying? So if Chelsea is driving down the road and her car gets to running hot, she don't need to get mad and get frustrated and say, man, see, it because I ain't pay my tithes. And now God didn't rebuke the devour for my sake and the enemy is get coming after me and God going to get him money anyway, see? $300 I got to pay to get my radiator fixed that's exactly how much my tithe would have been no it just means you got an old car that's all that means and when it get real deep and the man try to rip you off that is wrong and he go to pull apart and get another old rusty little thing and put on that thing and charge you for a new one. And a month later, you leak it right here to flew it up out that thing. You can't say that this man was able to trick me because my discernment was low because I'm in sin. No, this man tricked you because you don't know nothing about no car. And he evil and you live in a wicked world. That's just the fact of the matter. So anytime testing, anytime trouble come, anytime offenses come, stand up and boldly say, thank you, God, I'm a human. That's all it means. It doesn't mean you're evil. It doesn't mean you're great. It doesn't mean that nothing special didn't happen. Like I said, it's almost New Year's, and we all going to get discerned. Your breakthrough and the manifestation of the fruition is coming. And all the haters that you got are there just for your time of trial and testing. They there to refine you and make you come out like gold. Because God is doing a great thing in you. Yeah, God might be doing a great thing. But people are doing an evil thing. And the simple fact that you're going through trial and testing don't mean nothing special. But the fact that you are human. That's all it means. Everybody with me? So when these trials turn and these trials twist, twist, and they turn to temptation. Does that mean anything special? No. All it means is that you're human. So let's look a bit, a little bit more at these temptations. And this we're going to prove our main point. 
because Aaron think because he got to train himself not to be checking out the little lady that bring her children up in the barbershop. That means he evil. Because if he was really saved and he was really a Christian, he wouldn't like that. That's what you ever thought about that. Like, man, God, leave, bro. I ain't saved, man. You know what I'm saying? I can't go to church tomorrow. <laughs> but watch this now. Go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to bring this point up a couple of times. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It said, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Let's read that one more time. So then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, this text is talking about Jesus. And the deep thing about it is this Matthew chapter 4 comes off Matthew chapter 3. What happens in Matthew chapter 3? Jesus shows up on the scene to John the Baptist. He get baptized by John the Baptist. He comes up out of the water. God speaks from heaven. The spirit descends on him like a dove and he has this glorious moment going on where God declares him in front of all the people to be the son of God whom he loves. And immediately following this, Jesus is led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. There's three things we can learn from this. One, Jesus, the most perfect human being ever to be a human being, was tempted. So that means when Aaron is tempted, he's just being like Jesus. Ain't an evil in him. That don't mean he's wicked. It don't mean he's wretched. It just means he's human because he's tempted. Now, does that mean Aaron is sinful because he's tempted? Tradition would say, yeah. That's why he get tempted. Because he's a sinner. And if that is true, we would have to say that Jesus is a sinner. Would you agree with that? That Jesus was a sinner? He wasn't no sinner. But he was tempted just like you tempted. So how you being tempted make you a sinner, but Jesus being tempted don't mean nothing. It's just a question. Because the immediate thought that we have when we see our weaknesses is this is an expression of my wickedness. No, this is an expression of your humanness. Jesus was tempted just like we all are tempted. And it got even deeper. It says that the spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. So God has something to do with his temptation. That's a little bit more strange. God put him in a position where temptation could happen. They're deep. God put him in a position where temptation has happened. So what does this reveal about the heart of Jesus? Nothing. But this does reveal something about the condition of life upon this planet. That temptation is a part of being who we are. And God wanted a perfect savior who can sympathize with us in all points. So in order for Jesus to be the perfect savior, Jesus had to endure the things that the people who he saved and endured. Because he can't comfort you in your tribulation or it's harder for him to comfort you in your tribulation and your testing if he don't know what it's like to be tested. 
You, you get what I'm saying? It's like the big coach. I don't know why all PE coaches be big. <laughs> be big. But then they want to drive you hard. Like they got you running. Run, don't stop. Y'all being lazy. Why are they sitting there watching you? <laughs> Eat subway like they're healthy. <laughs> but they can tell you that you need to keep going because their thighs ain't burning. They said, I've been there. Once I made a man, I was the, the sexual leader in the band, I ran them guys hard. Tell my no mercy. We're getting it. I, make it. I used to try to make people quit. Got in trouble. Huh? We are the public school. You can't kick nobody out of the band. <laughs> my brother. Uh, band director had to tell me that. One little girl quit, man. She quit like a week. <laughs> band director told you better go get her and bring her back. <laughs> I had to go find her. Man, y'all know what God lives, man. <laughs> he made me leave practice to walk to Carver Park to find that girl and tell her she better come back to band practice. I was driving and uh, arms shaking. She trying to hold them symbols up. Uh, hold them up, though, straight out. You can't play them if you can't hold them. <laughs> Some shoulder weak. But you know what? I ain't never done that jump. <laughs> I had absolutely no clue how bad her shoulder would hurt. And didn't count. <laughs> All I know, I didn't want her in the band because she couldn't play. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, the reason I bring that point is, but when Jesus sent us through things, when Jesus allow us to go through trials, when Jesus allow us to be tested, when, when scandalous things happen to us, he know and he understand. Aaron, keep using Aaron for an example. Have you ever went off on anybody? Ever? You, you have went off on somebody. But, but it happened. You, you just tan to him one good time. Couldn't control it. So when somebody go off on Aaron, Aaron ain't got no right to be telling them they wrong for going off on him, technically. Because whatever somebody do to him, he done done before. Right? He done went off on folks. So when somebody go off on him, they just doing you what you did to somebody else. Most of us done stole before. Even just a little bit of candy. When you five, six years old, you get that little bubble gum. Right after your mama done asked you, do you want anything? Uh, if you got some mama, after they done gave you that speech, soon as you get out of the car. Now don't you touch anything. And don't you after this anything. We just finna go in this store and get our list and get right back out of here. So don't ask me for nothing. <laughs> after y'all got that speech before. And you get in the store. And the first thing you do is, mama. <laughs> but you done stole some stuff before. It didn't happen. So when folks steal your stuff, like I remember one time, a dude uh, used to trade cards with me. I had a big basketball card collection. Dude used to trade cards. And I was serious about my cars. I'm saying I ain't play no game. I watched them go went through them cars every day. I'm saying I studied the cars. I read the little Beckett books, you know. 
And I had down to the point where I memorized just about all my cards. I knew what page, what, what card was on what page and what slot. And sometimes you used to take them to school. The dude used to try to get me. I'm the most straight, hit me up, man. I look at, oh man, let me see it. I get my book back, man. Said Grant Hill, they're missing. And all I do, <laughs> Grant Hill, gone. <laughs> and I'm hold up, man. Hold, who, who got my cards? Get ready to shut class down. I don't even pull hair in school. <laughs> hold up, some of my cards missing. Now the amazing thing is, I will, I'll get upset. People try to steal my my cards. Now. Somebody bring me somebody else's cause. I get the opportunity to take somebody's call. I will take it. But get mad if somebody took mine. Be ready to shut the whole class down. I know a brother ain't going down like that. But did not recognize that me doing it, I shouldn't get mad at folk doing it to me. You understand what I'm saying? So when we go through stuff, most of the stuff that we go through is stuff that we didn't put other folks through. Now the amazing thing is, Jesus ain't never did none of that. Jesus ain't never cussed nobody out. Jesus ain't never stole nobody's stuff. Jesus ain't never mistreated anybody. But all those things happened to him. If they all happened to him, and he didn't deserve none of it, never did any of it to anybody, what makes you think you're special? They mistreat him, they're going to mistreat you. Because that's a part of living in the world that we live in. And it goes even deeper from mistreatment and tribulation and the scandal on to basic temptation itself. That if the devil's going to test Jesus, and Jesus going to endure temptation, but that does not mean he's a sinner, that means the same thing for you. So just because you are tempted, that does not mean you are a sinner. That means you are a human being. And you live in this wicked and wretched world which produces temptation. And another thing we learn from Jesus' story, he said he was drove into the wilderness to be tempted of who? The devil. So where did Jesus' temptation come from? The devil. Yeah, everybody see that? Go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resisted steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. This is deep. So we're telling you to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now this is Peter talking to the disciples of that day. He's saying they have an adversary that's on the prowl. He's seeking and he's looking to devour people. In the temptations, the trial, the testing that they're going through, he's attributing it to who? The devil. Because he said you need to resist him and know that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren around the world. So the same thing y'all going through, you got brethren across the whole globe that is going through the same things and these things he is attributing to the devil. So Jesus was tempted of who? The devil. Peter saying that these original di- disciples of the apostles were being tr- tested, were going through suffering, was going through tribulation, and those things came from who? The devil. So what does this say about the evil heart that dwells inside of these disciples? Nothing. Their testing, their tribulation don't mean nothing about them. It shows us something about the condition of the world that we live in. 
of y'all with me. So when you are tested, when you go through hard times, when you go through tribulation, do not allow your mind to conceive of the idea that this speaks something about myself. Hard times don't mean that you not right with God. Hard times means just what they say. Hard times. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Being tempted does not mean that you're evil. Being tempted just means that you are being tempted. And now we see that some temptations don't even come from you. They come from an outsider, an adversary. Go to James chapter 1. This is the one we're familiar with. James chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 2. It said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, divers trials, divers testings, knowing this, that the trying of your faith work at patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and upbraid it not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in all his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. This is, this is a heavy little piece. But we're just going to bounce through it real quickly. In the opening, notice what he said. Count it all joy when you go through diverse temptations. Now, the traditional view on this verse is that this talking about trials, hard times, testings, persecutions, and the stuff that the people were going through. And the answer is, that is correct. That's what exactly what he's talking about. So you need to count it all joy when you go through all these things. But the reason he say it is y'all pay attention in verse three, knowing this, that the trying of your faith by haters show you that your breakthrough is just around the corner. And that soon you will see the manifestation of the fruition of all the promises that the Lord had given to those who he had blessed because he see them in their future. And it looked much better than it do right now. Dane, what you want to say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that new King Lion verse. <laughs> that sounds good, though. I like that. I'm saying that when you go through tribulation, it's just a manifestation that God is doing something great in your life. And that all the haters are trying to hold you down. That's what you need to know when you go through tribulation. But that ain't what James said. James said, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. That don't sound like the manifestation or the fruition or the breakthrough or the coming of our season. All we get in going through tribulation is patience. 
That ain't fun. Like, you can't shout off of that. That, don't that sound like something to shout about? Like the devil tried to kill you a long time ago, but God wanted to give you patience. <laughs> that ain't fun. <laughs> that ain't exciting. Y'all boring up up in here. <laughs> Trying to read the Bible and stuff. James said, the trying of your faith work is patience. But then it do get some exciting stuff. And he said, this patience make you, what is that? Full and complete, entire, perfect and entire, not wanting nothing. So your ability to go through hard times is the manifestation of that fact that God got grace inside of you. And you're continually going through produces patience. And patience can get you to the point where you're entire and complete. Well, you ain't lacking nothing. Well, you got everything you need to be what God wants you to do on this planet. But in order for you to get that, it means you have to do what? Go through something. That means trials and hardships has to happen. But that also means that just because you're going through don't mean that you are evil. And then James get a little bit deep and he give you a, a clue in that thing. Say, if you lack wisdom, Ask a God of it. Now, what does wisdom have to do with what he's been talking about? Because wisdom is the accurate application of knowledge and understanding. And what he's saying is, is that you're going to go through some hard times and some tough situations that you ain't going to know how to handle. And when you're in those times, if you like wisdom, if you don't know how to handle it, if you don't know how to live in these times, all you got to do is ask God. And he going to give it to you and he ain't going to upbraid you. He ain't going to scold you about it. You don't have to feel bad that God, I'm going through something I don't I quite understand. That God, I'm going through something I can't quite figure out how to get out of it, how to get over it, how to be Christian in the midst of this thing. God ain't going to get mad at you for saying that. Say, ask of God. And he'll give you what you need in that wisdom, in that situation. And you need to ask it without doubt. Because how would anybody doubt in those situations? And the doubt is shown and manifested because when we go through hard times, we think, one, this is a sign that I ain't right. Two, that God going to feel bad about me that I'm struggling with this. People think that. None of those things are true. You cannot have those doubts. Know and understand that whatever you're going through, God is there with you and he's available to you to get you through it. And the deep thing is, now this is James talking in the first century to some people. In verse 1, he refers to them as the tribes scattered abroad. Now, an amazing thing happened. These people start talking about Jesus. And people start killing them. Like that deep. They literally, some of them had had to leave their homes. And go and live in other places. Because they were being killed. And it always amazes me that we compare ourselves to the apostles in the first century Christians. Because when we read words like tribulation, we think of people putting poor comments on our Facebook posts. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? All the persecution. They got it. They're trying to attack you. These folks were getting killed. Like, they weren't being killed. They were getting killed. Like, with a T. <laughs> <laughs> that's what was going on and James doubled down on it he told them to rejoice in the midst of these temptations and trials be happy about it and he also gave them hope that God is there with them and if you lack any wisdom ask of God and he gonna give it to you and you don't need to be ashamed you got difficult times at work. You got difficult times with coworkers, neighbors, and all that good stuff. That's trials. That's testing for you. These jokers were being killed. So if God expects them in the midst of that type of persecution to rejoice and have confidence that they can get the wisdom to go through these things and come out of them with a patience and a perfection that's deep, Oh, thank God they're sitting there a little too bad because all oh, need children get on your nerves and you just don't know how you're gonna handle it. <laughs> God, your God is Lord, you just don't understand. <laughs> is that a trial and a test? Yes, they testing your patience. They testing your ability not to slap them into next week. <laughs> That's what they tested. But if God can expect these folks to rejoice and be kind to people who were killing them, I think like you and your little six, seven, eight year old, I'm saying God can handle that. I'm saying he go, what that? Maybe I misunderstand. Which one you think? You have people trying to kill you or you have an eight year old that getting on your nerves? Which one would you prefer? <laughs> it's like, that's a tough question. Huh? <laughs> but the same thing works. So just like James and his people can ask for wisdom in the midst of persecution and still be able to have confidence in God, you can ask for wisdom in the midst of crime, fits, selfishness, brother beating up sister, sister putting brother in a, in a headlock and DDT in it. <laughs> All that type of stuff. Stains on your carpet, rips in your furniture. <laughs> <laughs> all that type of stuff you be like God I just don't know see we've been there and it tries hard especially sometimes when you get deep I know y'all are Christian and you get deep and God give you revelation and, and, and you know what you exactly what you're going to do with these kids and you got the great plan and we can have this spectacular time in Jesus and they're going to love it and I'm gonna feel like a man. I'm gonna feel like a like a like a spiritual warrior. And my children, they're gonna be spitting out Bible verses like in 15 minutes. They're gonna know the whole book of Psalms. Just watch this. Because God gave me this plan and it came through Revelation. And I was praying and I had a deep moment. Then you sit down. And every time you say something, they ask for juice and they ask for water. <laughs> I need to go to the bathroom. One of them sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and you get down and you get to prayer like God I thought you spoke to me and you tell me <laughs> am I the only one that went through that you're like God I thought you gave me revelation I just thought it was going to work 
<laughs> and there don't go none of the way you thought it was going to go. It like go the complete opposite. And you ready to give up on life. <laughs> God, Jesus, I can't do it. See, this work for them times too. That you can ask for wisdom from God and he can give it to you. He can teach you how to rain in the crying and the sleeping and the digging boogles out the nose and just asking you about iCarly or whatever else it is. <laughs> I'm saying you talk about John and they just Spongebob. <laughs> like, where, where did that come from? You don't even watch Spongebob. <laughs> like the devil, you'll get out of this house right now and I ain't with you. You're rebuking the children. <laughs> But all of these are different ways of trials and different ways of testing. But then James keep this thing going and he, he get a little bit deeper. And he make this thing. And he make it all the way down to verse 12. He said, blessed is the man that endured temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. So there's a blessing connected with enduring temptation. Now, the way our minds will work with this thing is that we automatically connect this to verse 2. In hard times, tribulation, testings, persecutions, and all those type of things. But James follows this up with, let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God, for God cannot tempt man with evil, neither tempted he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. Now hold up, James. That ain't what you've been talking about. James begins to switch this thing, and in our minds we disconnect this passage. And we saying verse 12 go with something else. Then verse 13 starts a whole new line of thought. But all James did was expand the full use of this word tempt, temptation, tempted, tested. Because the word used in verse 2 is the same word just in a different form here in verse 13. So outward pressing, outward tribulation is a form of testing and temptation. As well as inward drawing is another form of temptation. And the same promise connected to verse 2 is connected with verse 13. Verse 12 connects to both of them. So when you go through hard times and people mistreating you and you come out on the other side of it, still a champ. Blessed are you because you shall receive the crown of life. But when you go through the inward drawing and you hold up and you withstand, blessed are you for you shall receive the crown of life. But this also give us another idea. Because we're talking about Jesus was tempted and Jesus was tempted by who? The devil. But now James talking about you being tempted and you being tempted by who? You. Now hold up. I ain't no devil. <laughs> the devil ain't made me do it. So now what James is expanding our idea on the understanding of this temptation. So there are some temptations that are external to us. It is the devil trying us. It is the devil injecting stuff in us. But there are also other temptations that are because of our desires. And we need to expand our understanding of this word lust. All lust means is desire. So he's saying you are tempted when you are drawn away of your own desire. So there are some things inside of us that puts us in a position to be tested and to be tempted. But just because I'm drawn away, even if it's of my own lust, does that mean I'm evil? No. Give you an example. 
Let's, let's stick with Jesus. In Matthew 4, when Jesus was tested, if you pay attention to the temptations that Jesus went through, every last one of them tied back to the person of who he was. Like, turn these bread, I mean, turn these stones into bread. One, Jesus was fasting and he was hungry. So, that's a temptation to make yourself something to eat. But the real testing was what he connected to it. Said, then everybody gonna know who you are. And that was the real temptation because Jesus had a mission that he was supposed to fulfill here on this planet. And that was declare the salvation of God to be the son of God here on this planet, the Messiah, the savior. And Jesus was tempted to do those things in a way that was not complicit, was not compliant with the plan that God had already set up. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So the desire to fulfill the mission of God put Jesus in a position to be tested. That was lost inside his heart. He wanted to do his father's will. And a part of the father's will was declaring the salvation in the kingdom of God, declaring himself to be the son of God. And that was the tempting. God promised him that he was going to be exalted and he was going to receive all the nations of the earth. Psalms chapter 2 talks about all the nations shall come unto him. Ask of me and I shall give you the heathens or the nations as an inheritance in Psalm chapter 2. And that's a messianic psalm talking about the son that's going to soon to come. But the devil put him up like, hey, you bow to me, I give you all this stuff. Now that's tempting. Because the way God planned on giving it to him was for him to go to a cross to be beat up, mistreated, talked about, beard ripped out, spit on, and die. And the way Satan wanted to get like, hey, just say I'm the Lord and you can get all of it anyway. That's tempting. Don't nobody want to suffer. But it's the desire inside that put him in the position to be tempted. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So just because you're drawn away of your own lust does not mean that you are evil. And the amazing thing is, is that as you grow, in the Lord and your sanctification increases and you get to be more and more holy, that does not mean that testing is going to decrease. All it means is just a switch. How's it going to come a time where Aaron going to get to be super deep and he going to train himself on how when the lady bring the little boys and now to get the haircut, how he don't get excited about no big booty girl. And he can maintain and he can do his thing. And then the, the, all that going to happen is once he gets strong with that, it's just going to switch. And it ain't just going to be the big booty girl. He going to get the halfway Christian big booty girl who going to get to talking sweet to him and building him up. Oh, you're such a man. I'm talking about you. Ooh, I, I, I heard you up there. You talking to the folks about Jesus and all that stuff. You, you're a man of God. And he get to stroking that ego. Like, yeah, go. You know what I'm, saying? I'm saying? I do a little something. I'm, saying? I'm just trying. I'm just trying. I'm trying to live right. Ooh, yeah, you live it right. And he get excited all on the inside. It's switch. It's the same thing. Because his heart changed, his desires changed, would mean the testing have to change. You understand what I'm saying? So you're going to reach a level where you're just going to be super saved and super Christian and living holy and walking perfect. 
But that don't mean you ain't going to be tested no more. The temptation just changes. Because desire is going to still be in your heart. And all your desires can be pure. And all your desires can be for the kingdom. And all your desires can be for the glory of God. And the devil will try to use that to get you. Like I said, we talked about Saul. Saul got caught up. How did they get him? They told him, hey man, we can take these sheep and worship God. They didn't get him by saying, hey man, if you take these, you're going to be in your kingdom and you're going to be great. That didn't get him. They didn't get him by being rich. They didn't get him by saying, man, how you going to let that little old man tell you what to do? You the king. If you want to keep these sheep, you can keep these sheep. That didn't get him. They said, hey, take these and we can worship God with them. And Saul said, hey man, you know that right. These are good sheep. We're going to worship the Lord with these. So a desire to worship God put Saul in a position to be tested. He was tempted when he was drawn away of his own lust. That ain't evil? To want to bring an offering to God? That ain't evil? So we need to get it out of our heads and stop allowing condemnation to overtake us and think just because I'm being tested, that don't mean I'm evil. That don't mean I've sinned. That don't mean I've fallen short of the glory of God. That is not a sign to me that I'm just a poor wretch and I'll never be anything better. That's a sign to me that I'm a human. You don't have to repent of being tested. You don't have to repent of being drawn away. You don't have to repent of people trying you. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Now, there's sometimes when we go through temptations because he said you're tempted when you're drawn away on your own lust. So when we go through things and it reveals things in us that we need to grow from. But to have a weakness, to have an infirmity, is not to be sinful. Are y'all, you give me? So erring and be on, you can be cutting their head. And dude be like, bro, man, chill out, man. You hold my head too tight. And the thought can pop in every mind, man, I want to slap this joke about this. He say one more thing to me. I'm finna tell him, just get up out my chair. Now that can show Aaron something about itself. I'm like, bro, you got a little temple there a little bit, man. He ain't did nothing wrong yet. All he did was put in a situation that revealed to him that he got a little temple up in there. Now he can take that revelation and he can go to God to seek God to get that up out of him. But he don't need to say, man, I ain't right. Because I want to slap that joke. No, bro, you, you, you need to grow. But you ain't did nothing wrong. All you did was got something revealed to you that weakness in you. Paul said he will boast in his infirmities. Now, how are you going to brag about it if infirmity is sin? The word infirmity, all it means is weakness. There's a flaw. There's something that ain't quite right in me. But I can be with something that's weak. I can have something that's a flaw and still be righteous and still walk holy and still walk victoriously because it ain't about me and my abilities to pull things off. It's about the greatness of God. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So as these flaws get revealed in my character, I go to God and allow him to perfect perfect them. Some of them going to be with me for forever, but that don't mean I'm going to be doing wrong. Some of them God going to take away from me and I'm going to overcome. But it's still the same thing. I can walk victoriously with them. Because it ain't about me. 
It's about God. Being tempted, being tested don't mean you're wicked. It means you're human and you're living in a wicked world. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So there's some temptation that come from the devil. There's some temptation that come from you, your character, your makeup, the desires of your heart. And there are other temptations that come from people. Proverbs talk about the, the sinners enticing you to go with them, the violent man enticing his neighbor. So there's sometimes people can test you. The devil tests you, people test you, and you test you. But how many of them mean that you're evil? None of them. It don't reveal that you're evil until you fall to them. That's revealed that you're evil the way that you walk, not the way that you're tested. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So let wrestle with what we do with these temptations, in these time of temptation. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians. This is easy. It's right at its own home. God gives us some promises concerning these temptations. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Everybody know this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start at verse, verse 11. It said, Now all these things happen unto them for our example, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There have no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, this is deep. And really, this whole little, little, little passage is pretty heavy. It was just condensed a little bit. Paul was talking about the, the testings of the people in the wilderness. And how God bringing them out and them being baptized and them eating the spiritual meat and them following Christ because Christ was the rock from the water flow and he getting all this stuff and he talked about they was destroyed by serpents because they murmured. So they was going through testing and they was going walking with God and God was doing all these amazing things and they kept complaining and they kept murmuring and they kept turning away and God destroyed them. And he gives us a warning and said, don't you murmur like them. So don't you follow after the same pattern of these people. Then he gives an explanation because all these things happen to them. So all the stuff that happened to them throughout the wilderness that's documented for us by Moses, he says, for our example, whom the ends of the world that came. So God showed you the failure of these people so you can learn from them. Then he put a little extra thing on there. Now, you that think you stand, take heed, at least you fall. And there's two ways that you can interpret this or understand this. That in light of this thing and seeing the wickedness of these people, you can compare yourself to them. And we all have done that. And you'd be like, man, they saw the glory of God. God spoke to them from heaven. And the next thing they were doing is worshiping a cow. Like, how stupid can they be? Because if I was there, you probably would have been worshiping that cow too. <laughs> probably would. Because you're already just lining up at Popeye because everybody put it on the internet that you need to. You, know, you eat Popeye chicken. <laughs> now you sitting in line for an hour for one little chicken sandwich. That's a whole other thing. That show you you follow the crowd just like these people did here too. That's all they were doing. Aaron put a Facebook post up. Like, hey, <laughs> hey, all we got a hot worship going on on the thing. Everybody came out bowing down, worshiping the car. They were getting what y'all said, turned up or it was lit. What, what one we use now? Both of them expire. What, what it is now? Oh, man. <laughs> that sounds like you're smoking dope, dog. <laughs> it piped up. Hold on, dog. 
So they were piped up down uh, and everybody was joining in. So that one way you can take this is that you can compare yourself to these people and think that you wouldn't be the same type of people that they was if you put in the same condition. And what he's saying is, if you think that about yourself, you need to pay attention. Take heed. Listen, learn what I'm telling you. That just like they failed and it was destroyed, the same thing that can happen to you. And also a way you can take it is just purely personal. That you can think, I've arrived. I got to a place where I'm good. If you got those ideas about yourself, you need to take heed. Pay attention. Because the one that thinks he stands, that's the one that's going to fall. What do you mean by that? It's got the connotation of standing alone. If you're thinking you up there and you got this, you need to pay even more attention. Because the one that think he stand, you need to take heed, at least you fall. Because there's a fear that a fall is going to happen to you. So what you need to do is be conscious of your weakness. You need to be conscious of your frailties. And you need to be conscious of the things that are going on around you. That's what he's saying. You need to take heed. Pay attention. Learn from these lessons. At least you fall. At least you end up in the same spot that they in. So when you see the weaknesses of people, you'll be like, bro, how can he? You need to examine your own heart. Because we live, like I said, with this, this, this social media world, stuff that's getting out and it's popping. And stuff be news like for 15 minutes and then, then it's gone. And we're getting exposed to more and more failures. It's almost like the 80s. I don't remember this. I just remember people talking about it. That all them preachers, big TV evangelists that were falling in the 80s. They're they, they saying they, the joke was going down. Joe, Jerry Falwell and all them other jokes just, just, just hitting, the, hitting the fans. Just like that. Just, just disappeared. Now, in our social media age, we got another one like that. Come on, it's just gone. Joker's just, just falling all around us. Read this thing about a pastor. This Joker running a big church. Been married for all these years. Got this little girl who we call his goddaughter. Married her. Then cheated with her. They'd be like, what? One of you old man is a little bit of girl. And two, she called you her god daddy. Three, you did the ceremony for her for her wedding. These people know you. Y'all close. Y'all down. And then you cheat with them. And you read stuff like that, you can't imagine it yourself. Like, how could a man do something like that? And the admonition we get from Paul is, you need to take heed. Don't think that you're any better than that, bro. Because the same lust that's driving in his heart can be produced in you. The same weakness of character that he got can live inside of you. And you can end up in the same point that he was in. So you need to take heed, at least you fall. And that's what we need to be doing when we see all these brothers falling left and right and left and right. One, we need to call them out and let them know that, hey man, that junk ain't right. But before we do that, we need to examine our own heart and say, hey God, Anything in me that anything like that can put me in that position, situation, help me out now. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? But attached to that warning is a promise. Look at the promise. Y'all remember this promise. It's a very common verse. There have no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. What does that mean? Every temptation that you go through is a temptation that somebody went through. You ain't special. You heard me. 
Every temptation that you go through is a temptation that somebody has went through. Because we got the tendency to feel isolated in our struggles. And think that I'm the only one that think this way. To think that I'm the only one that has gone through this. Now you ain't. There's no temptation taking you as such as is common to man. So the stuff that you go through, the stuff that is trying you, the stuff that is testing you, is something that somebody else has already been through. Now, whatever that deep thing you got struggling in your heart that I've been struggling with, I guarantee you, if you pull somebody aside, you pull everybody in here, you're going to meet somebody that dealt with the same thing. That's just the reality of it. Ain't nothing special about you. You're not weird in any kind of way. You're not isolated in any type of special struggle. No, you're human. And the temptation that you go through is the temptation that humans go through. That don't mean nothing bad about you. You understand what I'm saying? So because you have a temptation, that don't mean you bad. It's common. But what God going to do? Said, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able. So if you're going through it, that means you're strong enough for it. If you're going through it, that means you are strong enough for it. Whatever the temptation is, if it come to you, you're strong enough for it. Then he asks with, and with every temptation, he's going to provide a way of escape that you don't fall. God made a promise. He making you a promise. So you can have confidence that whatever it is we're going through, whatever the testing is, whatever the trial is, that it's something that I can endure. And even if I can't, it's something that I can get out of without falling. Now, what part in that verse has something to do with your strength and your ability to overcome it? Nothing. God is faithful. Go to 2 Peter. Chapter 2. They'll give you one more promise. God is faithful. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Said the Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptations. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. The Lord knows how. To deliver the ungodly out of temptations. And to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. God is making you a promise. Everybody see that? And the promise is that no matter what it is you're going through, God knows how to get you out of it. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. So you're going through something? You're being tested? You're being tempted? God can get you out of it. He know how. That's his skill. You can call him Liam Jesus. He got a special skill <laughs> to recover the ungodly out of temptation. Does it matter how hard the temptation is? No. Does it matter where the temptation come from? If the devil is testing you, God know how to get you out of it. And if it's because of some lust or evil desire in you, God know how to get you out of it. If it's because you're around wicked people and you just come from a bad environment that puts you in hard places because your family crazy and every time you go without something bad happens, God know how to get you out of it. That's a skill that God has. And we need to have this confidence to have this, 
this trust in God that no matter what we go through, he can get us out of it. Are y'all with me? Just to make sure we got it. Temptation reveals what about me? Nothing. At best, they show me the weaknesses I have. So that God can reveal and heal me. And that's the best thing they tell about me. Do they mean that I'm great and I got this great manifestation coming? No. Does it mean that I'm this wicked, evil person that God hates and he's trying to punish me? No. All it means is that you're human and that you're living in this world. If it comes from people, it don't matter. If it comes from the devil, still don't matter. If it comes from inside of me, it does not matter. God knows how to deliver me out of it. And whatever it is, I got the strength to endure it. And if I endure it, I'm blessed. And it's going to make me a patient, perfect person. One nothing. That's deep. That's heavy. Let's dig a little bit deeper. Now watch this. Like how how, how are we supposed to handle these things? Oh, that's all fine and dandy and talk about God got me. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's take a couple of run through these real quick to give you some stuff that we can do with temptation. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Starting in verse 1. It says, now, I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not corner, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is full. This is deep. This is Paul. Now just paint the picture a little bit before we get the application. There's some folks in Corinth that were going around and they was talking about Paul and the other apostles that were with him. And a part of the accusations that they were railing against him is that Paul be talking tough when he write these letters. But look at him. He a little punk for real. That's why he said, in appearance, I am in meekness and weakness. But they were railing against Paul like Paul talked tough on them letters. But Paul ain't nobody. I don't know why y'all getting all shook up because Paul told me he coming. Ain't nobody scared of Paul. This, this type of thing, the people coming after the, at Paul like that. And what he's saying is, if these folks got the idea like I walk according to the flesh, what he mean by that? These folks think I think I'm tough. They think I'm, when I'm coming, I'm coming like bold and, and knocking joker head off. Like what? what I'm saying you you didn't read your Bible. <laughs> that that what he said. They coming at me like that. It's like, but they don't know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So you have people coming into Corinth, they're teaching these things, and they setting themselves up to be apostles. they setting themselves up to be somebody great. And a part of them making some, themselves great is going and attacking Paul then. Paul, like, these folk don't understand. I ain't here to fight. And my weapons don't come from my body. So I am weak in the flesh. And in Paris, I'm just a humble little bit of small dude. 
But my weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So Paul's saying, I got some weapons that God got me. And this little junk they talking about, they can't withhold that my weapons have the ability to pull down strongholds. Are you understanding what's going on? So these people attacking Paul, talking about Paul, and they're raising up all these different things coming against the Corinthian church. And the part of the attack against the Corinthian church is to knock down Paul. And Paul's like, nah, I ain't here to fight. But I do got some weapons, and these weapons have the ability to pull down strongholds. So when arguments and things come that's contrary to what we got going on, we can kill them. Not because we're going to beat them up and start some type of insurrection. Because we got a weapon through God that has the ability to destroy everything that they're talking about. And that's what it means through casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So they come and teaching you foolishness. They come to corrupt you and they come to make themselves an image. But we got their power through God to destroy the stuff that they're doing. That's deep. Now, we talked about temptation. They come through what? People, situations, through the devil, and through us. Now, the situation that these people live in, they was having some things attacking them. But it was coming through people. And Paul had the confidence that he got some spiritual weapons that can defeat the thoughts, the ideas, the imaginations, and the things that these people are putting up. I can cast them down. And the reason he said that they work is because they're mighty through God. So if they can work for Paul through the attacks of people, do you think it can work for you? Think about it. Do you think you have the ability to do the same thing Paul was doing with these people? Because all the people was doing was bringing ideas. All the people was doing was bringing thoughts. They was bringing teachings that was contrary to the truth of God. And Paul said we can pull them down. Now, when you are being tested of your own lust, what does that look like? Think about it. What does that look like? The way that it generally manifests itself is a thought, an idea. So when the big booty girl walk in the shop and Aaron and her cutting them clippers, the, the temptation does not come in the fact that Aaron's hands just start moving. You know what I'm saying? And he just get pulled over there. And he be like, God, I don't even know what happened. I touched on the booty. That don't happen. It never has and it never will. But what happened was a thought popped into Aaron's mind about the big booty girl. That's an imagination. So just like these people were attacking the Corinthian church, they were using words, they were using thoughts, they were using concepts, they were using ideas. The lust that is inside of you when it attacks you is used thoughts, it used ideas, it uses imaginations. It tries to get you to believe something. So the same weapons that work against the teachings of these false teachers work against the teachings of this false you that's inside of you. So when those thoughts pop into Aaron's head, Aaron shouldn't say, oh man, it's over with now. I might well go and get the number because Jesus said if you look with lust, you commit it in your heart. So since I'm going to be punished for it anyway, it's just a thought. And he has to do with the thought that comes to him, the same thing Paul was doing with the thought that came to the Corinthians. What he said he did? Casting down imaginations in verse 5. So what's 
So the thing that you have to do when he get tested is to cast those thoughts down. When do you cast them down? As soon as you get them. Now watch this. This is going to get deep. Help people out of a puzzle. Because we all get the question. And maybe I'm the only one that has the question. Does this thought come from Satan, me, or does it come from God? Anybody ever had that thought, that question? I know I had quite often. Like, did it come from Satan? Does it come from me? Does it come from God? And you be trying to figure out, like, how do I figure out which one it come from? Is it God? Is it Satan? Is it me? Now, when it comes to temptation, it don't matter. Because why don't it matter? Keep reading in verse 5. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. Now, how many imaginations and high things is he casting down? Every one of them. And the high things are the things that he casting down are things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So the only question we got is not where does it come from, but what is it exalting and is it contrary to the knowledge of God? That's the only question we have to concern ourselves with. So what if it mean? If you are elevating something in your mind that is contrary to the knowledge of God, cast it down. If the devil is doing it, cast it down. It doesn't matter where it comes from. The only thing that matters is, is it pushing or promoting me to a better knowledge or more love and devotion to God? That's it. Every other thing, we cast it down. Then he get even, even, even deeper there. And say, and bring it every and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. So how many thoughts we need to bring into captivity? Every last one of them. So where did that thought come from God? Make it a captive. And you, t- you take it to Jesus. That's all he's saying. You take every thought and bring it as a captive into obedience to God, to Christ. So every thought you get. So what if you have that thought? It don't matter. You take it and you bring it to God. If it comes from the devil, it don't matter. You take it and you bring it to God. Whatever it is, however the temptation manifests, every thought that pop up in your head should be captured by you and brought to the obedience of Christ. Like, how in the world do you do that? Plain and simple. We're going to keep using Aaron in, in the big booty girl. There must have been big booty girls in the shop yesterday, man. <laughs> <laughs> when the thought pop into his head that he may need to step down on that just thought you're a young man he's single he has the right to get him a girl but when that thought pop into his head he need to take that thought okay I need to step down on that but Christ said, I only step down on believers. Is she saved? And I don't need to be stepping down on nobody unless I'm ready to get married because that's the purpose of this whole little man-female thing. That's the way God designed it. I don't quite think I'm ready to get married yet. So, conclusion, I ain't finna step down on that. That's the way it works. Now, the way it generally works is Aaron get the thought. I need to step down on that. Man, 
I don't know, bro. <laughs> and he get this wrestling going on within himself, and he using himself as a standard about how good, how bad, how evil his thought is. And if he saved like he you know what I'm saying going to church, then he feel bad inside. Be like, man, I'm saying I got the lust all up in my heart. Golly, dog, I thought I was all done with that, man. I thought I matured beyond that point. And it all still about him. He ain't took nothing to Jesus yet. Jesus ain't even entered the picture. That's the way we need to think. When we get a thought, it goes well to Jesus. Now, it's one hard thing about this. That means you got to know Jesus to do this. That means you got to know what Christ think about stuff. That means you got to be in communion with him. Because that's the only way you can bring it into the obedience of Christ. Because you know what Christ wants these things to do. Because everything has a purpose on this planet. And God is the one that assigned purpose. And so you need to take every thought and submit it to his purposes. That means you need to know his purposes. Which means we need to be getting in here. We need to be grinding and studying this thing. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But the thought of the temptation itself. We not to train ourselves to capture them. How do you train yourself to do that? By believing the promises of God. That's the foundational one. Because when it get real strong, you know that what? God know how to do what? What do you know how to do? You forgot. That's why I had to repeat it again. What do you know how to do? Huh? No. He do know how to pull down stronghold. You don't know. I figured you forgot. He know how to deliver the godly out of temptation. That's his skill. God got that skill. So that's where you begin at. And we can go back to James. If any man lacks wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God. So you got access to these things. And it's not upon your ability to discipline yourself to do it. It's upon God's ability to be there with you to do it. But you have to have that communion going on. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because God knows how to do it. Deliver the godly out of what? Out of temptation. Doesn't matter where it come from. If it come from you, can God be like, well, that's her own mess. She need to get herself out of here. Like, uh-uh. He ain't going to do that. And if you ask him, is he going to get mad for you asking for help? Nah, because he give it liberally. He don't upbraid. This is what God know how to do. And if you being tested, does that mean you evil? Not necessarily. What if the devil after you? Does that mean you did something to bring a stronghold into your life? You open a window for the enemy? Not necessary. What if your radiator go down? Does that mean you ain't pay your tithe? <laughs> no. That means you got an old car. <laughs> Are you with me? Let me give you this last little bit of comfort. Let's drive these bit on. Well, let's look at one more. Go, go, go to 1 Peter 5, 9 again. When we got thoughts, we need to cast them down. When it's the devil, you need to do what? Cast the devil down. How do you cast the devil down? Because he like the devil. First Peter 5, 9. All right? We're talking about, in verse 8, we read this. We're talking about our adversary, the devil, going about like a roaring lion. Verse 9 said we're supposed to do what? Resist steadfast in faith. So you resist steadfast in faith. That means you stay strong in your resistance and you do it out of faith. Faith is a trust. It's a dependence. So you do it depending 
on God. That's why James chapter 4 tells us that submit ourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. So there's that, that, that parallel thing that's going on. You resist the devil, you yield yourself to God, that's how you defeat. So if it comes from the devil, you cast him down by doing what? Resisting him. But you do it out of faith. That goes same back to these same strongholds and these thoughts that pop up in your head. Once the thought pop in your head, you resist the thought. But do you resist it by saying, I ain't going to look at that big booty girl. I ain't going to look at that big booty girl. I ain't going to look at that big booty girl. I don't even like big booty girl. Is that what Aaron supposed to be doing up in the shop? Because all he's going to be doing is thinking about what? Big booty girl. <laughs> what if the devil brought that big booty girl in that shop just to get Eric? If he resisting it by saying, I ain't going to do it, I ain't going to do it, I ain't going to do it, that only produces what? Thoughts of doing it. But he resists by going away from it and turning to God. You resist and you hold steadfast in faith. So you hold to what you believe about the situation. And you hold to what God has revealed about the situation. And that's where your resistance go through. It ain't just me saying, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't. No, you, you turn to what you are going to do. You submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and you flee. You resist steadfast in faith. It's because of what you believe, those things, those core values that you hold on to, that God has revealed to you, the person of Jesus Christ. That's what you hold on to. That's how you resist it. And what he told you, he know how to do what? Deliver the godly out of what? All your testings, all your temptations. And if you go through a testing, it's going to be something you can do what? It's something you can escape. It's something you can endure. Doesn't matter where it comes from. Does not matter where it comes from. So what reason do we have not to be victorious? None. We can always overcome. We can always do what it is God wants us to do because God has set the whole thing up. It ain't got nothing to do with your weakness. And don't let nobody guilt you into thinking that you have to confess that you ain't nothing but a sinner saved by grace and I'm still a sinner. I'm always going to be a sinner for the rest of my life because that's a sign of my Christianness because I feel bad about doing wrong. That's a lie. That's a lie. It don't matter how weak you is. Because people say, man, you th- what you what you think, you perfect? Saying he, everybody got flaws. Yes, I got a lot of them. My character is all messed up. But my reputation ain't. Why? Not because I know how to hide some stuff. Because God know how to do it. God has the ability to deliver me out of what? Temptation. And what if it's because of the weakness and the flaws in my character? He can still get me out of it. So there are some times where I'm put in situations where I'm not quite built to handle it. Just because of who I am. It don't matter. God can get me out of it. That's the promise that we have. That no matter what I go through on this planet, no matter how weak I am, no matter how messed up I am, God can deliver me out of it. That's it. So as we go forth and we talk about the remedy to sin, and and things going to get a little deep. And we talked about the, and we get to talking about the real meaning of sanctification. Do not get the picture in your mind that because I am tempted, that does mean I'm not sanctified. That's a lie. And do not get the picture in your mind because I got weakness and flaws of character, that does not mean that I'm not holy. That's a lie. My flaws only reveal my humanness, but my flaws don't have to be revealed through me. 
because God got the ability to protect it. So when I was in the band, we had this amazing thing we did. And there were some real sorry dudes that was on the drum line. I'm talking about like trash. But we did something. Because, you know, down here, down south, people go to the football game to watch the band when they look like us. That's what we go for. Like I said, when I was in high school, man, our football team like won like four games my, all my three years there. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> and they was come on, man, y'all don't do nothing play drum. Said, y'all need to play some drum. Y'all didn't play no football. <laughs> but we did this little thing. How people come and they sit on the side and they watch. Especially when drums, we play our thing. So we had this amazing thing we did. Like you take the best ones, put them one on his end, Put one on the other end. You get this our dude and put him in the middle. And you tell him, hey man, all you got to do is look like you know what you're doing. Ain't nobody going to be able to tell. Because when they look down the line, they're going to see me. And I have the ability to mask his foolishness. And it's another thing we did. The good people we did exercises to train ourselves to play with a lot of volume. I can play, make a drum, holler across the whole thing. And the reason we did that, because of little small mistakes, you can't hear them when he make them. All you do is hear me. You don't hear him playing. And so you think, man, they tearing it up. No, they ain't. That dude, that don't know what he's doing. And the only reason he's still up here because we're in public school and I can't kick him out. <laughs> but we have that ability to mask it. So his flaws, his inabilities is not revealed to the whole world. He still look good because he in the band with the rest of us. So my daughter learned how to play violin. And they do these little concerts. Man, you got all these little children, all range and all type of ages. And they call themselves finna be a symphony. And I prepare my mind like this finna be the most horrible sound I ever heard in my life. Like, this is gonna be horrible. Now you got these little bit of kids with violins. You know, violins, you mess up, that thing can screech. What they did was, I started to pay attention. You had like older kids that didn't get up after they got done playing. I had the old kids and you had the little kids. The old kids stayed out. Then you got teachers dispersed throughout the whole thing. And they get to playing that song, boy. He's like, ooh, man, them children good, man. I'm talking about they can play. They can do that. You don't hear them children. You hear the masters. And the inability of the children don't show up. Do they have skill? No. You know what I'm saying? They just learned how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star like two months ago. But they up there and they playing this, 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 this grand piece of symphony and it sounds good and you get the bottom of your head like, oh man. And then you hear them do their little one little thing by themselves and you're like, golly. Because they have some frailties, they have some weaknesses, they have some inabilities that does not allow them to play and play well. But once they're placed within that symphony, because the people who are over the symphony can play so well, you don't notice it. And that all they have to do is stay in line and stay in step with the people who are who are leading the thing. 
And that the only way their weaknesses will be revealed is they get out of line. If they play out of turn. If they get out of step with what's going on with the rest of them. All they got to do is be, have the ability to, to stay in step. That's it. Because the people that are on the ends, the people that are playing the loudest, the people that are the strongest, going to keep them. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And the picture works the same with us. You don't have to be great at life to be righteous. You don't have to be the most perfect human being ever. You don't have to be the most virtuous human being ever. You don't got to be that. All you got to do is learn how to stay in step with the master. And as long as you playing the same song he playing, you're going to sound good. Are you understanding what I'm saying? As long as you're playing the same song he playing, you're going to sound good. And you can tell people, man, I don't know how to play no violin. It's like you play so well. That's Jesus. <laughs> and it works with life. Everything. Like, man, I don't understand how you be so patient with them children. You just don't know. I'm not a patient person. I used to slap everybody in my family. <laughs> growing up, I fought my brother, my sister, my uncle. I fought them all. Like, you? Yes. But how you get so patient with them children? That ain't me, that's Jesus. My nerves are bad. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying? It works the same way. All we have to do is be willing to stay in step with the master. And as long as we can stay in step with the master, don't matter how bad you are, he can play well. Are y'all with me? And God makes this final promise. We ain't going to turn to it. He made the same thing. He said he was tested and he was tempted. And him going through Hebrews chapter 7 gives him the ability, we're starting in chapter 2, to succor us, to help us in our temptation. But again, he gets a little bit deeper. It makes the promise that since he overcame, now he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's deep. God made you a promise. He always going to be there with you. He ain't going to let you be tempted to know what he is. The more than you can handle it. Whatever temptation, he going to give you a way of escape. He told you he got the skills. It's his skill, his craft to deliver the godly out of temptation. But deeper than that, you got the very God of all creation in heaven praying. For you. Say he ever lives to make intercession for you. So there's not a moment in your life. Where Jesus ain't pleading for you. There's not a moment in your life. Where Jesus ain't on his knees before the father. Pleading for you. Pleading for your comfort. Pleading for your strength. Pleading for you to overcome. Jesus praying for you. That's deep. Are y'all with me? I make this example all the time. We get crumped because certain people pray for us. I said don't raise your hand on this one. You do the secret hand. How many times have you done it? They call for prayer in front of the church. They got the deep bishop brother up there. And you go up there for prayer. Then Sister Johnson come walking up on you. You talking about she want to pray for you. Then you be nice all of a sudden. Yeah, you go ahead. You go ahead. He <laughs> let people skip you in the prayer line. Knowing your feet hurt you ready to sit down. But you want bishop brother to pray for you. Because bishop brother got power. Sister Johnson just Sister Johnson. But we believe that stuff. And what I'm telling you is the greatest bishop, the bishop of all the souls of humanity, he praying for you. So a bishop brother that do the mass crusades got some power to lay some hands on you and make some things happen. What, what you think going on right now? 
God praying for you, the bishop of your soul is interceding and pleading for you that you be victorious, that you overcome, that you not fall into the traps of the devil, that you overcome the ills and the evils of this world. That's what's going on for you right now at this moment. So you have no excuse not to overcome. Anybody got any questions?